This morning, we come to the best-known passage of the Bible. It's not John 3.16, and it's not about the birth of Christ or the death and resurrection of Christ. It's not about creation. It's a passage that's generally associated with death, and yet it is a song for the living. It's a song that needs to get into our heads and on our hearts. You know, like one of those songs that you hear... And it is there all day long. Okay, I just ruined some of your days, I know, because that song's going to be there, because it's one of those that just gets there. I'm turning this off, so in case somebody else has my number, um, you will not be calling. I'm embarrassed about that song, because I'll be out in public, and it starts ringing. But I don't know how to change it because Jonathan put it into my phone. (laughs) But it is. It's one of those that cannot get out of your head once you've heard it. And today, the 23rd Psalm, the most loved psalm in all of Scripture. I hope it becomes that for us, a song that we cannot get out of our heads. I read that psalm this week to Judy Dwyer and her mother Olivia who's about to go and be with the Lord. I read that psalm to Sandy Shepherd, who's lying in the hospital waiting on a baby to come, but it's probably going to be about three weeks that she's going to have to lie there. It's a great psalm of comfort, whether it's for the dying or for the living. If we could get this song in our heads, it would make an incredible difference in our lives. Now, when we come to a passage that's so familiar, it's a little bit dangerous because we think, well, I know all about this psalm, and yet we miss the power of it sometimes. Let me pray for us as we start. Our Father, Father, we're about to read a psalm that many of us know by heart. Would you send your spirit to teach us this morning and to make this a song that indeed is in our heads, but also in our hearts? And even on our tongues, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 23, hear the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless the hearing the reading of his word. The year was 1985. The month was February. Rita and I were living in Acapulco, Mexico, and a missionary friend asked me if I would go with him to Monte Rosa to celebrate Christmas. Yes, Christmas was in February there. For you see, these humble Mexican farmers had to harvest their crops in December. So decades before, they had decided, we're going to celebrate Christmas in February. So Andy asked me to go. I say, okay. I leave Acapulco, go a couple hours north, um, get in his Jeep. We go east for two hours down this 
paved road. And every little town we went through, I would say, Andy, is this Monte Rosa? And he'd say, nope. And we turned south and started on a dirt road for a couple hours. And every little village we went through, I would say, Andy, is this Monte Rosa? And he'd say, nope. Well, in the middle of the mountains, in the middle of nowhere, this dirt road ended. And Andy said, I don't understand where the burros are. They were supposed to be here to carry our stuff. And all there was from this end of this dirt road was this path that went along this mountain ledge. And so we started walking along this ledge. And a ways down the ledge, um, I mean, hours, I said, Andy, come on, where is Monte Rosa? And he said, well, you see that mountain there? Yep. You see that one there? Yep. The one behind it, that's Monte Rosa. Well, we walk for quite a while longer, and he stops and he looks up, and he says, Monte Rosa's up there. So we crisscross up this mountain for about 45 minutes, and we get to the very top, and at the very top of this mountain are three huts, and very few people, and he says, welcome to Monte Rosa. Well, I was feeling like a burro about this time. People started coming in, and they were all bringing vegetables and fruit, and some of, them ha- some of them had their animals in tow. And I was taking pictures of all these people, getting to know them, and off to the side here, I noticed that they're getting ready to slaughter a goat. I've never seen a goat slaughtered, so I decided to get pictures of it. And so I go over here, and I'm taking pictures of it, and they tie this goat up, they put it on the big rock, And the man raises the knife and jabs it in. I did that. And it was the worst scream I've ever heard. And I'm really reserved. So for me to do that, um, excuse me. Um, It was an incredible experience. And I sort of said, okay, that's enough of that. So I went elsewhere to take pictures. But about 30 minutes later, they were at it again. But this time it was a sheep. There was nothing else to do on top of this mountain, folks. So I went over to take pictures of them killing this sheep. And as I went over, they put the goat on the big rock. The man raised the knife. But then he turned and he said to me, this one is different. I was insulted. I knew the difference between a goat and a sheep. (laughs) But he brought the knife down. The sheep did not make a sound. And the lifeblood was spilling out. Not one sound. And I realized right there that in the middle of February on a mountain in Mexico celebrating Christmas, I received a profound Easter message. Isaiah 53 came to mind. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Back to Psalm 23. Most commentators believe that this psalm was written by David. 
And they call it a shepherd's song because it was written about God the shepherd by David a shepherd. Many of us here perhaps have thought of the very young David out with his sheep in the tranquil fields, playing his harp and writing this beautiful song. And if we've thought about it like that, we would be profoundly wrong. For the fields in those days were dangerous. They were dark. And there were animals who would tear the sheep apart. And David was not young. He was seasoned and he was mature at this stage in his life. He had already defeated Goliath. He had fought many battles. He had been an adulterer and a murderer. And yet he is still God's anointed one. And yet the times have really gotten tough. You see, his son Absalom and his army, they were trying to find David in order to kill him and take his kingdom from him. Perhaps there between David and Absalom is a dark valley. And in those days, even though the valleys were beautiful places that often had refreshing, life-giving water, they were also the most dangerous of places because it was there that the thieves would hide out and attack the travelers. It was there that the animals would hide out to attack the sheep as they were being led through the valley by the shepherd. Verse 4 of this psalm sets the context for the passage as it talks of the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And another translation, instead of the valley of the shadow of death, it says darkest valley. David had been through many dark valleys in his life some at his own hand and some at the hand of his enemies. Job speaks of the dark valley as he describes how very dark it is in Job 10. He speaks of the land of gloom and deep shadow, the land of deepest night, of deep shadow and disorder, where even the light is like darkness. Some here this morning can relate To that. It is so dark that even the light seems like darkness. To some, that makes complete sense this morning because life has become so heavy and so dark that even the positive things in life seem dark. And you know what? When you feel that way, I know you feel really guilty about even feeling that way. And yet that is the reality. The pressures have been there so long, it seems, that even the light is like darkness. Perhaps your darkness has to do with health issues. Perhaps financial or job-related. In fact, every week I hear of someone else who has lost his or her job. Perhaps it's with a relationship, a family a spouse who has checked out. Rita and I um, leave tomorrow night to go and minister among 600 missionaries. These missionaries are from Europe and Africa and the Middle East. Can you imagine the darkness that some of these people live in? 
And they're coming together, and five or six pastoral couples from the states here are going to minister to them and seek to shepherd and love them. But David, he's here, and he's in a dark, dark valley. And yet he proclaims, the Lord is my shepherd. This psalm starts with the Lord. And the rest of the words of the psalm are explaining and describing this Lord. And the Lord has two roles in this psalm. And it's so cool how the writer describes the Lord here. Some of you know that I've preached a number of times from the Psalms. And it seems that I've always preached about the Lord being a rock, a fortress, a refuge, a stronghold. And all of these are beautiful images and metaphors for what the Lord is. And yet they're inanimate. When we come to the 23rd Psalm, we come to animate objects. The Lord is presented as a shepherd and as a host at a banquet. And these are very powerful, personal images that speak deeply and powerfully into our lives about the Lord's relationship with us. David actually says, Yahweh is my shepherd. This is the name of God, and he uses that name, and it becomes even more personal. David does not say, El Shaddai, God Almighty, is my shepherd. He doesn't say, El Yon, God Most High or any of the other titles and descriptions that the Scriptures give us. He says, Yahweh. He uses the personal name. Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, you could call me teacher or friend or husband or father, and all are true. But my name is Joe. If you call God by name, it is Yahweh. And this Yahweh is almighty and most high, never changing, omnipotent, and we could be here the rest of the day describing this Yahweh. Our lives are full of change. Yahweh never changes. The story is told of Lloyd Douglas, author of The Robe. While he was in college, he lived in some apartments, and on the bottom floor was the elderly music professor from the university, and he was in a wheelchair. And every time that Douglas would go down the stairs in the mornings, he would stick his head in the door and he would say, what's the good news? And every time this elderly music professor would pick up his tuning fork and he would hit the side of his wheelchair and let it ring. And then he would say, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday. It will be middle C tomorrow. It will be middle C a thousand years from now. The tenor upstairs sings flat. And the piano across the hall is out of tune. But my friend, this is middle C. In this world in which you and I live, we need a middle C. And Yahweh is our middle C. He never changes. Yahweh is our shepherd. In fact, David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. Spurgeon says that the most important word in this psalm is my. That's how personal this psalm is. You and I can say, the Lord, Yahweh is my shepherd. Well, what's the big deal about a shepherd? In our country, because we have so many fences... 
We don't see shepherds. In fact, we don't see a whole lot of sheep as we're out driving unless you're in certain areas of the country. And yet if you travel overseas, you see many sheep and you see each flock of sheep with his shepherd, with their shepherd. The big deal about a shepherd is that he is the one who protects, provides for, and guides the sheep. Without the shepherd, the sheep would be lost They would be attacked and destroyed. They would be wandering around helplessly looking for their next meal. Now, I wish I could give you better news about sheep. But the sheep is one of the most helpless and needy of all of God's animals in creation. It cannot take care of itself. It cannot defend itself. It's not very smart. In fact... How many sheep have you seen in the circus doing tricks? (laughs) Not many. The sheep does not even know to come out of the storm and to seek shelter. Philip Keller, a pastor and author, was for eight years a shepherd himself. And he writes, It is almost impossible for sheep to lie down and rest unless certain requirements are met. They need to be free of four things... Free of all fear, free of friction with the other sheep in its own flock. They need to be free of flies or bugs. And lastly, the sheep will not lie down unless they feel freedom from hunger. Sheep need a shepherd. And that's the big deal because the shepherd provides for all of these things. And in Scripture, we are likened to the sheep over 200 times. And we need a shepherd. The relationship of the shepherd to the sheep is truly amazing. The shepherd is on call 24-7. And the sheep find great security in that. The shepherd has a relationship with his sheep. The shepherd meets every need. The shepherd knows the sheep by name and cares for each one. Listen to how this song describes these things. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Boy, if we could meditate on that one and get that song in our heads. Look at verse 4 because it all changes in verse 4. The song goes from He leads, guides, restores to you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the dark valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It becomes even more personal. The change from He to you shows the shepherd is no longer out in front leading But now he is walking alongside as the host, escorting. David is not talking about God only. He is talking to and with God as he changes to you here. For some of us, this week has eaten away at us. And there was a point this week as I was trying to spin a number of different plates and I was working on taxes with my kids and um, there were needs that kept coming in that I needed to attend to in my life 
And I was crying out, Yahweh, be my Savior. Be my shepherd. I need it. Yet we try so hard in our own stubbornness and pride to go it alone, to figure it all out. We turn everywhere but to the Lord Yahweh. And we must not just talk about God, but we must talk to and with God. I must not only prepare to talk to you about God, but I must be talking to and with God here. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was an instrument that the shepherd would use in fighting off the wild animals and protecting the sheep. And the staff was really for leading and for directing the sheep along the way. A sheep is so helpless that if it falls down and rolls over, because it's so top-heavy, may not even be able to get back up by itself. And so the shepherd has to come along with that staff and help it get up. And yet, the same is true of us, isn't it? As we sometimes are so down that we are incapable of getting ourselves up. But we have a faithful shepherd. In the midst of our trials, our source of joy is our fellowship with the shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table. The image shifts to the host who has prepared a banquet table, a victory celebration for us. Kings were anointed at their coronation, but also the guests were anointed as they would attend feast. My cup overflows in spite of David's dark, dark situation. God's blessing still overflowed to him. Whether we're looking at the imagery of the shepherd or we're looking at the imagery of the host and fellowship at the table, David's describing the joy of being in a personal relationship with God, a relationship that has no end. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The 23rd Psalm portrays life as a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage with God, but also to God. And our destination is the house of the Lord, where there's unhindered fellowship with the Lord God. Now, many of you have figured out where I'm headed with this. And that is that on this side of the cross, on this side of Easter, we can confidently proclaim the truth that Jesus is my shepherd. In fact, he says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. You and I can sing, Jesus is my shepherd. Ponder that one. Jesus no longer just leads you, but he has become your shepherd and a host walking alongside of you, whatever it is that you're going through and however dark it might be. Perhaps one of the best things about a sheep is that they know how to follow In the Middle East, there's what's called a sheep market. 
And I'll explain it like this. I've already traumatized these over here, so I'm going over here. Um, There's a sheep market, and it may be about this side, walled in. And all these shepherds will come in with their flock. And before they're allowed to go into the sheep market, they put a color on the back of each flock. So this whole flock of maybe 20 sheep is all red. And this one's yellow, and this one's green. But somebody over there, Doug Meyer, will say, Hey, shepherd, I want to see your sheep. And so the shepherd will all of a sudden start walking through all these sheep, and there are hundreds of them in here, and he will go through and come over here. But you know what? All those sheep that has his color because they know him, follow him. And another shepherd might be called over there. And so you see all these sheep snaking through the sheep market. What about us? Do we like to follow? It's hard. You know, I may say, I need to get over there to Marshall. And I may say, I can go right here. But sometimes when we're following the Lord, He may take us all over to get there. Let's go back to Mexico, to that mountaintop experience there. The goat and the sheep. I had experienced a profound Easter message while celebrating Christmas in February on a mountain in Mexico. We all like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah says. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. This one is different. That's what the man told me. So what? Jesus is different. And because this one is different, whereas we sang earlier, better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere, and that is profoundly true, now we can sing, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because this one is different. We are known by name. And we are loved more than we can possibly imagine. Because this one is different. When we fall down, Jesus helps us up. Because this one is different, God is all we need. And Jesus truly is enough. Because Jesus is different. You and I have been taken out of darkness to the light, from the dark valley to the light of Jesus. Because Jesus is different, we have been purchased with a great price and we are cared for and protected daily. Years ago in Mexico, and some of you would remember this, in Mexico City, we went to an orphanage and there was a young girl there about 10 years old and she asked if she could pray for us, our group. And she prayed, Lord, Protect these people in the hole of your nail-pierced hands. Because Jesus is different, we have security and peace and joy. Because Jesus is different, we have been called children, not just sheep. 
Because Jesus is different. He guides as the shepherd when we're not even aware of it. I think back on the birth of our twins. Um, Nearly 21 years ago, at 29 weeks, they were born. Um, Next week, when Rita and I are out of town, Jonathan's going to turn 21, and so is David, but David's not here. So I want all of y'all watching Jonathan, 21, um, May 1st. Um, Keep an eye out for him. (laughs) Rita's cancer, 11 years ago. My heart surgery, 10 years ago. He was not only leading us as a shepherd. He was escorting us by the hand. What does this one who is different say about himself? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world, the bread of life, the living water, the alpha and the omega, the resurrection and the life. Because Jesus is different, Another sacrifice will never be needed. Our sins will not be held against us if we have been washed in that blood that has spilled out from Him. We've been embraced by the one who is different and changed forever into a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Why? 1 Peter 2 tells us that we might proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We do that because we have a new song that we cannot get out of our heads. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. May that be a song that you cannot get out of your heads for the glory of God. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for your faithful, never-changing love, for your shepherding of us as your sheep, but also as your children. Forgive us when we look to ourselves and not to our great shepherd. For those of us, O Lord, today, who find ourselves in very dark places, would you be pleased to pick us up and by your grace... Let us be able to see the beautiful light of Jesus and make him known to others. In the precious name of Christ we pray. Amen.